Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week we are super pumped about the Friends reunion special, which debuts this Thursday, May 27th. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I'll tell you why you should shut the drapes on the woman <laughs> in the window, one of 2021's top Razzie contenders. Wow. Also, Liam Neeson is angry once again in the trailer for The Ice Road, and Zack Snyder's new zombie movie debuts on Netflix this weekend, Army of the Dead. But first, like we said, the long-awaited Friends reunion arrives this coming week. The test is ready. Rachel wrote Ross a letter and demanded he read it before they got back together. How many pages was that letter? 18 pages! 18 pages. Front and back! Front and back is correct! Wait, wait, do it one more time! Oh my god. Here we go. Where's the tissue box? Wow. Does Courtney still have her lines written on the table? We've literally just slipped right back. We regret. We have such a bond from this show. Were Ross and Rachel on a break? Yes. 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 Canadian streaming service Craig said Craig Crave says the highly anticipated HBO Max special will land exclusively on its platform May 27th. So if you want to find the Friends reunion special, it's on Crave. The special is an unscripted homecoming with stars of the hit NBC sitcom, which aired from 1994 to 2004. It spawned dozens of clone shows, which pretty much became the main form of sitcom until The Office sparked a revitalization of workplace comedies. All six original Friends cast members, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc, David Schwimmer, and Matthew Perry are part of the reunion. The trailer shows some special guests as well, like Janice and Tom Selleck. In the special, they'll return to the the comedy's original soundstage, Stage 24, on the Warner Brothers studio lot in Burbank, California, to celebrate the beloved show. The, so clearly the set was recreated for this, or maybe rebuilt from scratch, which is kind of crazy to think about. And most importantly, the trailer showed shows some of the confused people out there that, and it seems like there was a lot of them, that who thought that this was actually going to be a new episode of Friends, which it is not. It's hosted by James Corden, and again, it's on Crave in Canada on the 27th, which is this coming Thursday. And I gotta say, Brett, I wasn't really super pumped about this until just now when I watched that trailer. It looks like it'll be fun and a little more dynamic than just them sitting there talking as though they were on The Late Late Show or something. I don't know. Is it weird that the aging of these people is kind of freaking me out? I know everyone ages. I'm not saying they look bad. It's just that I've sort of held them in the perpetual bubble of their characters who, of course, never aged beyond 2004. Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston, it's not as striking to me because, you know, I just keep seeing them in stuff in the years since then. But the rest of the cast, not so much. I haven't seen any of them in years. I know they all work. I mean, well, does Matthew Perry work? Maybe he doesn't. But I haven't seen any of, you know, Matt LeBlanc's shows. So that was a real eye-opener seeing him because he looks quite a bit older than the character of Joey did. Uh, I will say one weird thing about the show, Friends, is that now I'm actually considerably older than the characters were, especially in the early seasons. And I've recently just become hyper-aware of stuff like that. Like, I realized that I'm now the same age that Frasier was in the middle of Frasier, and I'm now older than Jerry ever was on Seinfeld. It's just 
just a, a strange thing to have to get used to. But age aside, the nostalgia of it all, I think, will hit pretty hard with this special. And even though, you know, there were plans for this to come out before the pandemic, I think it'll be even more potent now as, you know, comfort watching and nostalgia viewing have become such a cornerstone for so many of us these past 14 months. So I am now looking forward to this Friends reunion special quite a bit. Brett, what about you? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. And I'm kind of with you. I was sort of, I I guess I felt nothing. I, I don't want to say apathetic. I just kind of had no real feelings towards the fact that this was coming. I thought, well, that's kind of cool, I guess. But then I watched the trailer and seeing them do that little, that new scene where they're doing a quiz, it just brought me right back into that world and... I'm excited to see it, and it looks like it's going to be emotional. And and hearing uh, James Corden's emotional comments, kind of speaking on all of our behalf by by saying, you know, I hope you understand the impact of what you have given the world with your show. Because really, when you look at, for example, the fact that the finale for Friends was watched by over 50 million people, there are not any shows like that anymore like there is no one single show that everybody watches you could argue game of thrones was probably the last one and even its numbers weren't not in that same ballpark so when friends left that was not just a tv show it was a uh, an institution and i loved it it took I, i don't think i didn't start watching it at first uh, but I, I i like many sort of got on through reruns and I, it became i don't want to say an obsession yeah. but i really really love this show and i can't wait to see this thing i started watching it right when it began and it was I, like the timing was beautiful because it started in september 1994 and that's when I moved away from home and went to college was in September of 1994. And suddenly there was this brand new show about, you know, young people in their early twenties living on their own away from home and getting into trouble and hijinks and all that sort of thing. And so like, I was like, Oh, this is like literally my life, except my life was so much less interesting than the the characters (laughs) on friends, but it was, you know, it was, to some degree, my world and like the show was built for people my age kind of thing. So I had a, a, so I was on board from episode one all the way until the end. And it's still one of my main go-tos for like fun rerun watching. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've seen all of the episodes. I must've seen this show all the way through. I would honest to God say probably 10 times. Yeah. Wow. There, there were many years where I'd just, I'd watch the whole thing and then it'd just start over and just keep going. And it's especially my dad, my dad hates his show because I go home for Christmas and they're like, Oh, they got, it's on Netflix. So I'll just watch friends reruns all through the Christmas break at my parents' house kind of thing. And he's just like, are you watching that again? Isn't that show in 10 years ago or something like that? I was like, yeah, it's Christmas. It's comfortable to watch. It's gone from Netflix though now, right? It's, I think it's all on yeah, Crave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's funny that you watched it that much. Good for you. I have definitely have not seen it that much, and I would like to revisit it. I think one of the reasons why I, I tend not to revisit series like this is because I know once I start, I'm gonna want, I'm gonna obsess over it, and there's yeah, just yeah. so many episodes to get through. But I guess if I did like one a day or one every couple of days, that would be a way to get through it. A couple of things oh, yeah. you mentioned, uh, Matthew Perry. I'm just looking at his IMDb. It looks like the last. 
anything he did acting was in 2017. There was a, a TV miniseries called The Kennedys After Camelot, and he also guested in The Good Fight, that TV show. And then uh, his latest credit is from 2021. It's something called Don't Look Up, which is in post-production. Looks like it's going to be a Netflix thing. The story of two low-level astronomers who must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind, to warn humankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Wow. And it co-stars Leonardo oh. DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, what? Jennifer Lawrence. So I guess he's got like a supporting role in this. Okay. Yeah, he's clearly, if Leo's in it, he's clearly not the main guy. Meryl Streep is in it? Wow. This Timothy who's, Chalamet? Who's making it? <laughs> Uh, Jonah Hill is in this, Ron Perlman, Tyler Perry, what, Ariana Grande, I've never even heard of this. Uh, (laughs) Still working on it. Director Adam McKay and writer Adam McKay. So that's expected uh, sometime this year. That's uh, the big short and Vice and a bunch of the Will Ferrell movies that Adam McKay. So that'll be a big thing. That's uh, probably, that sounds like Oscar buzz right there. Oh, for sure. And you also and mentioned after, after, you mentioned um, uh, Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, I have yeah. watched some of his stuff since he left Friends. I watched that show, Episodes, which I right. thought was great. And that was a good one, too, because it you got to see him sort of being himself and not, and not being Joey, right? Because so, I think he probably, I would suggest maybe more than any of the Friends, he was the most typecast. Uh, or probably had problems avoiding being typecast because he was had that very sort of colorful kind of meathead character, and that yeah. would I would guess that would be hard to shake. So episodes was super refreshing to see him play a completely different character than Joey. And now he's on he's still he's on a current show called I can't remember what it's called the Man of the House or something like that. Oh where yeah, he just, where he plays ah. like a dad, right? So yeah, he's, he has been working too. I remember seeing an interview with Matt LeBlanc on. I'm pretty sure it was on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and it must have been right before Friends ended because Jay asked him something along the lines of, um, "Well, what are you going to do after Friends, or what kind of work are you going to look for?" And he he looked like he gave like wide eyes, and he's just like. And he sounded really down and like depressed. He's just like, "Well, come on." Um, he's like, "I'll never find anything as good as this again." And he he, he sounded like he sounded like he might not ever work again, kind of thing. So, wow. I mean, yeah, it was really weird. But he's been. They've all been doing work. I did see David Schwimmer in that sitcom last year, that British sitcom I Intelligence. What that's called either. Yeah, that was it. That was okay. And and he does a lot of directing kind of work as well. Yeah. So oh, it looks they've, like they've they, all had work. That show, uh, Man with a Plan, it's canceled. It went four seasons. Uh, oh, it's over. Okay. Yeah, it was a CBS show that ran on Global in Canada, and it was canceled after four seasons. I did not watch one single episode of that. So, <laughs> But I will be absolutely watching Friends, the special reunion on Crave on Thursday, May 27th. In a moment... <laughs> What did you say? Shut the drapes on the woman in the window? Shut, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I, this is the one that I said, <laughs> I think I convinced myself to watch this, but I didn't get to it yet. Oh. Now Jeff is about to convince me to stay far, far away. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And a new psychological thriller came out this week on Netflix. We mentioned it last week, and this week I watched The Woman in the Window. This is a safe place. I'm agoraphobic. 
sleeping, getting into a really dark frame of mind. My neighbor Jane, she's been stabbed. Detective Little, NYPD. Where's Jane? Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. Ma'am, you all right? I know Jane. Jane's been in my house. I'm Jane Russell. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. The Woman in the Window has a stacked cast led by Amy Adams, who's always reliable. The movie also stars Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gary Oldman, Brian Tyree Henry, Wyatt Russell, and Anthony Mackie. And I gotta say, with that great a cast, it is a shame how bad this movie is because, folks, this is a stinker. Adams plays Anna, a child psychologist who's having her own psychological issues at the moment. She's separated from her husband and daughter and living on her own in a giant three- or four-story townhouse in New York. She's also, like we heard in the clip, agoraphobic, meaning she's afraid of being outside, so she never leaves the house. She does get visitors, including her own shrink, played by the great character actor Tracy Letts, who also wrote the movie, which is based on someone else's novel. I didn't realize Letts wrote it until the credit came up at the end, and it was the final stake in my heart. I love him as an actor, but he'll be the first to say he's a playwright at heart, and even though this isn't a play, it's not a great showcase of his writing talent. So, Anna stays inside all the time. She keeps herself interested by looking out the window and keeping tabs on her neighbors in the neighborhood. A new family moves in across the street that she takes a particular interest in them, and there's something sort of menacing over there. Or is there? Anna also has a tenant living in the basement of her townhouse, played by Wyatt Russell, who seems like a nice guy. Or is he? One night she sees a horrible act of violence across the street through the window. Or does she? You could see how this goes. <laughs> Not only does she have the issues she has, but she's also on new medication that could have side effects. And she's chasing down her pills with a lot of wine, which she's not supposed to do. So basically, there's no way for her or us or anyone else to know what's real or what's not. And it's just frustrating to watch. They never set any sort of a proper baseline of, I'll say sanity, because the movie purports to be about mental health, which is insulting to mental health. But because there are no real ground rules to start with, it's hard to measure anything against it, which just leads to confusion. And it takes away from any sort of emotional attachment you might want to have for any of the characters. Frankly, no one in the movie is really likable, except maybe for uh, Brian Tyree Henry who plays a detective. He also gives the only really good performance in the movie, I think. So the story's kind of a mess, even if there's some logic to it all by the time it's done. And it's not really doing itself any favors by unleashing just twist after twist after twist after twist. It really felt like the whole movie was just one twist after another, which of course, you know, dilutes the power of any of the twists. It's just so it's kind of ludicrous in that way. I mentioned the big townhouse that she lives in, and it's where the entire movie is set. And we don't get a proper establishing shot of it or see a real proper layout of the house's geography again until the end of the movie, which is obviously too late. I think they didn't do it at the beginning to try to sort of lean into her agoraphobia or something, but it, to make us, you know, sort of feel like 
we're with her, so we can't we can't see an overview of the house because she can't, but she lives there and knows where everything is and what the geography is. But it just makes some of the action hard to follow because we don't really know what's where in that space. And again, when you're using your brain power to answer questions that the movie should be answering for you, you're disengaged from the story. I'm sure it can be done well in a good movie, but this ain't it. Um, I don't understand how they got this good a cast in this bad of a movie. I know Let's is thought very highly of in the industry, so maybe his name on the script did it. And it's directed by Joe Wright, who made Atonement and Dark, uh, Darkest Hour, both great movies, and obviously has a connection to Gary Oldman through Darkest Hour. But I, I don't know. I found the whole thing just baffling. I found none of it thrilling. I hope everyone at least, you know, made some money from it. But I will give The Woman in the Window two couch cushions out of five, Brett. And it is available on Netflix now, so... I don't know, watch 10 or 15 minutes of it. And if you're into it, God bless you. Two couch cushions out of five. And Jeff Braun's summary matches up with Rotten Tomatoes, which has a 25% uh, rating. And it's critics consensus, a milk toast and muddled thriller that drowns in its yes. frenzied homages. The woman in the window will have audiences closing their curtains. Look there at you that. go. <laughs> uh, coming up next... Zack Snyder's latest is on Netflix this weekend, and Liam Neeson is still angry. We'll tell you why he's angry this time in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. The latest movie from Zack Snyder is out this weekend on Netflix. It's a zombie movie called Army of the Dead. As Vegas puts walls off, the zombie left side the Mr. Ward... How would you like to make $50 million? But it's also an action caper heist movie. Snyder is no stranger to the zombie genre, having directed the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. And I, Jeff, you watched that, right? I did watch that, and I don't ever watch horror movies, but for some reason I watched that, and I loved it. Really? I really did. I don't know why. I can't remember a lot of the like how gross or gory it might have been. And I do remember being freaked out by it quite a bit, but I also remember just feeling electric the whole time. I was probably just shaking in my seat the whole time I watched. Oh, interesting. We might have to talk about that more in a second here, but I'll just tell you more about the movie. Dave Bautista leaves the, leads the cast and the story goes, there's a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas and the city has been walled off. Batista is a part of a group of mercenaries who take the ultimate gamble in venturing into the quarantine zone. And it looks like this has been happening for a while because the build, like Vegas, is in ruins. So they go into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. Yeah, right. Simple in and out. Well, I think the reason why he thought that is it seems like most of the zombies are more like the mindless drones in The Walking Dead, who are kind of slow, but... You might remember that in Dawn of the Dead, the zombies were super fast and angry. In this world, there is now a branch of the zombie population that's even worse. They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. That's what you can hope for. 
There's also this. What is this? Damn zombie tiger. That's crossing the line. A zombie tiger. <laughs> so this movie looks like it could be a lot of fun. It actually opened in theaters last week on May 14th. It was a limited release, uh, 430 theaters, and it did not do well. It made $780,000. Probably because people did like I don't remember seeing a single ad for it. Although now that I think of it, I, probably most of the television I've watched over the last week has been on uh, Prime, actually, because I've been watching Jack Ryan. And if we got time to get into that later, maybe I'll tell you a bit more about that. But yeah, yeah didn't uh, didn't make a ton of money, but it, lo- it looks fun. Seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I like. Capers. I like heist movies. I like Las Vegas. I like zombies. So I don't know. This seems like a slam dunk for me. I'm tempted too. I'm tempted to check it out just because of uh, Zack Snyder's track record with zombie movies and that he made the one zombie movie I've ever seen and the one that I liked. You, t- you When you said though that you liked it because you felt electric, that's the whole point of a scary movie. People say, why do you want to be scared? And I think for me, it's because I enjoy, it makes me feel alive. It's sort of, it can be fun. So, yeah, but, but was, you, you generally just otherwise stay away from scary movies. Well, a lot of scary movies are in the pitch black in some like godforsaken locale, like a like some haunted house or something. You know what I mean? Some just disturbing, gross thing. And this was like in the suburbs, in the daytime, in a mall. They're up on the roof of the mall during the day, shooting at the zombies, the ones that they thought looked like uh, celebrities. Remember that? The shooting at the Jay Leno zone. Was it Jay Leno? (laughs) Why why have we mentioned Jay Leno twice today? Anyways, um, so there was little, like honestly, little things like that that uh, kind of give give it a bit more of a, I won't say pleasant vibe, but a, a less downbeat and depressing vibe than you see in the trailers for like the Saw movies or something like that. So Army of the Dead, new on Netflix this week. It's a two and a half hour movie from Zack Snyder. Here's another movie coming to Netflix starring Liam Neeson as what else these days? Uh, Grizzled, angry man. Lawrence (laughs) Fishburne co-stars in The Ice Road. You heard about the cave-in? Yeah. I'm putting together a rescue mission. We have 26 trapped miners who are running out of air. I need 300 feet of pipe delivered up there in under 30 hours. Can you make it happen? Says you had experience on the ice road. Yep. Use the mechanic? One of the best. Sweet Jesus. Give me 50 bucks. One of my drivers just became available. What's it for? Bail. I... What? Told you this wasn't going to be easy. There's a remote diamond mine that collapses in northern Canada. So Liam Neeson is tasked with an impossible rescue mission on the ice road over the frozen water to try to save their lives. Mount up! The only way up there is crossing the ice roads. That leak has been thawing for five weeks now. If they are able to accomplish this, we will be exposed. So the question is time. We've been sabotaged. My brother is in that mine. This is personal. Now I'm angry. Yes, they've been sabotaged and Liam Neeson's mad. 
What the hell was that? Sweet Jesus, that ain't good. Spreading out. That's going to keep cracking for two, maybe three thousand meters. We're going to have to run tight together. Go! Yeah, that's the other problem. The ice is thawing. Come and loose, you're all going in. There's no time. We're coming. Just hang on. So this looks cool, no pun intended, because Ice Road, but another angry movie with Liam Neeson playing the same character he's been playing since Taken back in 2000, was that like 2008? I think, yeah, 2008 was that first Taken movie. That's where he took the world by surprise as an action yeah. star. And, and now, now it's his main, like, it's what he's going to be remembered for almost at this point. And he used to be like a, thought of as like a prestigious actor who, you know, appeared in uh, period dramas and stuff. And he was in Schindler, for goodness sakes. He was Schindler and Schindler's List. So th- this we- new turn, that new turn, this 15-year turn that he's taken is, it's really kind of bizarre. It's, it's. An odd career move that I don't recall seeing in any other actors. Yeah, and it could just be, and I'm actually going to harken back to, I mentioned Matt LeBlanc's show, Episodes. And in that, one of the pieces of advice that LeBlanc gives is make the money when you can, when, while you still can. Like if, there's mon- if they're offering you money, just take the money, take the job, yeah. whatever it is. And because a lot of these actors take these kind of movies so they can get the paycheck, then that allows them to take the smaller roles, you know, the little art house roles that might not pay them right. yeah, yeah. anything. But looking at, and he works a ton. I am looking at his IMDb right now. He has made so many movies in the last several years. And here's the thing most of these movies he makes are typically, at the very least, decent. Right, like a cold, per- yeah. cold Pursuit came out back in 2019, and that was the one where he was, what, a plow driver? A grieving yep, snow Mr. plow? Yeah, and it was fun. On re- out for revenge. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so- and to be fair, you never know what's going on in an actor's life. Like, I know some of the, some actors like will just do it for the money, and they never watch the movies anyways, and they don't care. They just want to finance their, like, I live on an island nine months of the year, and the other three months of the year, I make whatever they'll pay me to make, and wh- what do I care if the movie's bad or good, so long as I get to spend most of my life living on an island? Or you get someone like Robert De Niro, who I just uh, sort of found this out last week. I was stumbled upon an article, because he's been making a lot of really terrible movies the last decade or so, but apparently he went through some like going through some horrible divorce and he's got some just ridiculous alimony that he has to pay his ex-wife and that's and he has to take he would like to retire but he's forced to work as much as he possibly can just to because his alimony it was insane it was like $200,000 a month or something like that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was the so same you never the- know why, why they may be taking the movies that make you scratch your head. The, that's the same thing with Nicolas Cage. He went through a stretch, stretch, uh, a te- like a 10-year stretch. I don't know how many years, but every movie he, he put out was a stinker. He was, do- and he was doing all, a lot of these directive video movies, and he was just yeah. taking all these roles, and he was phoning in the roles. And I know you hated one of them. Uh, was it, what was it called? <laughs> Next? Next. Yep. I, I don't think that was meant to be 
that actually looked like it was meant to be good. I nope. know you despised it. But uh, he yep. had some stinkers in there. Part of the reason was he had a, a debt to pay, I believe, with the IRS. So he had a significant, very much like De Niro, he had some financial things that he had to deal with, but now he's getting to do some more of the stuff that he wants to, to make. And some of the movies he's been in actually look pretty cool over the last few years. And I quite enjoyed him in the, as host of The History of Swear Words earlier or a few months ago <laughs> back on Netflix. So anyway, Ice Road, The Ice Road. Consequently, Couch Potatoes, we are in Winnipeg, so... We're a little extra excited for the ice road because it was shot in Manitoba, just like that Nobody movie with Bob Odenkirk that was shot in Manitoba. So the ice road debuts on Netflix on June 25th. In a moment, we are heading to Superstore. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I'm almost done all five seasons of Superstore on Netflix, and it's been a pretty good ride. Next rule... Always clock in on time. What if on your way to work you see a plane crash and need to stop to pull passengers from the wreckage? Um, if on your way in you see a plane crash, then you can be late. Oh, but what about a train crash? Um, any of the crashes. All right, we're moving on. Well, what, what if it's a fender bender where someone could have been hurt? Okay, Marcus, I'm sure they're fine. We should probably keep going. But what if they're not? Now, what if they have a baby in the back and it's like loose and it's rolling around like a volleyball? All right, that's it. I'm writing you up for insubordination. I get written up for that, but Russell can smoke pot in the garden center? What? Uh, well, I didn't know that was happening, so now that I do, I'm going to write him up. Hey, thanks. This is why you weren't invited to bowling. I knew you guys went bowling. I knew it. And you looked me in my eyes and you told me it was a myth. Yeah? What are you going to do about it? Oh, come at me, bro. Jonah, get my back. I'm not going to do that. Like I said a few weeks ago, Superstore is maybe better than I was expecting, but not a top-tier comedy. Uh, for those who have not seen it, it is a workplace comedy set in a big box store called Cloud Nine, and a lot of the main characters are sort of doppelgangers of characters from The Office. There's a dopey boss, a too serious assistant boss, and a couple of characters who are falling in love but won't say it out loud. And that's where the only real problem comes in, is the will-they-won't-they scenario ben feldman and america ferrera are the jim and pam of superstore but with one tenth the chemistry like you don't care at all if they do get together and neither of them is particularly funny when jokes don't land on this show it's usually coming out of one of them and i like them as actors i think they're good actors their characters are just boring but it's okay because every other character is funny and interesting and the further you go down the cast the weirder and zanier they get there are a lot of real gems hidden away in the cast and over the five seasons I've seen. A few have been allowed to really come out of the shadows and shine, which is exactly what you do want. Mateo and Sandra and Marcus very often stealing a scene or an episode. And Mark McKinney, of course, but you expect it from him. I wasn't sure about the funny voice he does at first, but I soon did really get into it. So that's five seasons out on Netflix. Season six, the final season, will be along sooner or later, I'm sure. But for now, it has been fun watching the first five seasons. And I do recommend it to anyone who's looking for a sitcom to binge. Cool. That's an yeah. impressive uh, haul, the fact that you went through the five seasons so quickly. When was it that you started? Oh, it's a, I don't know. I, I'm afraid to look back and figure that out because I'm, I, it, it's like four weeks, I bet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet I've been watching a season a week for sure. Nice. Uh, and they're full 22-episode seasons, too. So. Yeah, because they're from uh, an American television network, so they got to do the 22 episodes. Uh, yep. I look forward to maybe one day watching that, but I probably, 
You know what? I keep saying that about shows, but I, like I started Fleabag, for example, and I, I know you admonished me to to keep going, and it's a quick watch. It's what twelve yep. episodes total. Yep. And I think I watched the first two, and I haven't gone back to that. And I started watching mm-hmm. Shit's Creek, and I think I got three episodes in on that, and I haven't gone back to that. And it's not because I don't enjoy them. It's just there have been all these other things that keep popping up on my radar that uh, but, I've been trying to get to. What I will say, Brett, is the silver lining of that is that you've now been able to surpass the problem that you and I both had where once we did start something, there was no stopping it until the bitter end, even if we were hate watching <laughs> two thirds of it. You know what I mean? True. At least now we can like cut the cord of a show that we don't mind, but we're not really into yeah, that's fair. You're right. I mentioned, I even said it earlier in this episode. I, I haven't started it because I know once I start rewatching Friends that it might become an obsession. But Shit's Creek is uh, great show. Was very much enjoying it. I just haven't gone back to that. So I should try to get to that. But in the meantime, one of the reasons why I don't end up going back to these things is because I end up picking up something new. Like I finally started watching. Jack Ryan, and I'll get maybe I'll tell you a little bit more of my thoughts on that next week. But you have reviewed it in recent months. It's the Amazon Prime show based on the Tom mm-hmm. Clancy character, Jim uh, Jim Krasinski. Jim from The Office. John Krasinski, yeah, John Krasinski. is his real name. <laughs> <laughs> He's tremendous in the show. I'm seven episodes in on season one, and it's an eight-episode season, so I'm almost done season one, and I love it. I love it. And I think the thing that finally made me watch it is somebody said he watched Jack Ryan, and the reason why he watched it is because he loved 24, and he loved Jack Ryan, and 24 is one of my all-time favorites, so I had to watch Jack Ryan, and it was an excellent decision. I am hooked on this show, so I will tell you more about that maybe next week. In the meantime, that's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll get the show sooner. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.